I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. So what do you think about these government mandates? I don't suppose anybody has an opinion. You know, a lot of sermons, uh, not a lot, uh, but every once in a while, a sermon uh, is built off a good opening question. It's like, oh, man, this is a good question. I could build a sermon on that. <clears throat> I think uh, this might be the first time that I built a sermon on a joke. I said, I'd made the joke. You know what I should do? I should walk up and say, hey, what do you think about these government mandates? And then I just kept thinking about it. I kept thinking, I've been thinking a lot lately about our conscience, because we've been talking about the conscience a lot. And of course, our, our country, because everyone's thinking about our country, but it's Thanksgiving. And I, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. So while we're all in a Thanksgiving mood, and maybe a slight turkey coma, I thought it would be an opportune time to talk about uh, the government. You know, mandates, regulations, laws, bans, you know, that sort of thing. Huh? What do you say? You know, here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, we can sum up chapter 12, Romans, with three words, renewing our mind. You know, we were in chapter 12 for quite a while. Then we hopped over chapter 13. And uh, you can sum up chapter 14 of Romans with training our conscience, because we spent a lot of time doing that. And I had several people ask, how come I skipped chapter 13 of Romans? Well, in between those two chapters, in chapter 13, Paul talks about our obligation to our secular, political, governing authorities. That's why. That's why I hopped over it. Because if you ask me, it is way too direct and applicable. I mean, Paul has the nerve, get this, Paul has the nerve to suggest that the way we treat the laws of the land directly relate to our loyalty to the Lord. I mean, he acts like cheating on building codes or burning bans, uh, income tax or fireworks, seat belts, speed limits. He acts like it's all ultimately a type of distrust of God. What's up with that? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you. He's like, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority, is just, I'm just the messenger, okay? I'm just the messenger. <laughs> whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against uh, what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Does he know... Paul, when he's writing this, does he know that Nero is emperor when he wrote this? I suppose so, because he did say the authorities that exist. And that's who is in charge. Time. Uh, take a look. That's a facial reconstruction from his statues of a very depraved ruler who saw himself as a sun god and among many, many other th cruel things uh, that go defy description, uh, used Christians as living torches. And yet, in light of that, we're still told that disobedience to our authorities is defiance of God. 
and that obedience to our authorities is compliance with God. I think we need a break for a moment. Okay, this cop pulls over an elderly lady, right? She's going 22 on a highway. Little old lady, her companions, a cop walks up, her companions are scared stiff. Uh, And when asked about her speed, she just points to the sign, and the officer explains, ma'am, that's a road marker. This is Highway 22, okay? Uh, Then he asks about her passengers, and she says, oh, these old gals will be just... They'll be just fine. We, we, we just got off the 175. <laughs> See, don't we feel better already? Honoring, honoring limits, laws, codes, and bans is worship. Is worship when our compliance honors our higher authorities. Like, I wouldn't do it for them. I'd do it for you. I'd do it for you. You ever hear this one, stop, you know the old stop sign? You ever hear that stop stands for stomp toe on pedal? Spin tires on pavement, I've heard both those growing up in a wrecking yard. Well, for the obedient believer, uh, might I suggest short time of prayer, okay? Instead of following that, instead of coasting through, take a break, B-R-A-K-E, take a break, use the extra second or two, because it's not like you're saving a lot of time by coasting through. But I'm serious. Take that extra second or two to say to our Father, this one's for you. You just, because, you know, no one's there. Come on. But you know what? I can stop and say, that's for you. That's actual worship. And he will receive that as worship. And think of the bragging rights. The next time you can slide into a conversation, yeah, I stop, oh, I stop about 15, 20 times a day and worship God. (laughs) And it's true. And it's true. According to Paul, this is our part of the bargain, but, and oh, you're, you're going to be glad there's a but, but he's not advocating blind allegiance to wicked men. This is a two-way street. Remember old Nebuchadnezzar? Remember old Nebuchadnezzar? The wicked, pagan, king of Babylon and servant of the Lord. Yeah, the Lord said to his own people, his own albeit disobedient people, Uh, Because you've not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Now, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know this, but God going to use him as his servant, my servant. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then I will punish the king of Babylon And that nation, for their iniquity, no one gets off the hook here. When Jesus stood before Pilate, the governor of Judea, Jesus knew that he himself was in the process of fulfilling a a, a prophecy in Isaiah 9 that says in part, a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Okay, That's the highest authority. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace under his rule, under his reign. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on forevermore. And you can either submit to that or not. But this is likely why when Pilate said to Jesus, don't you realize I have power either to free you 
or to crucify you? Well, Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Boy, and that really, that really did a number on an old uh, pilot. But that's true. You'd have no power, you authorities, you secular authorities, unless it was granted to you. Sometimes for reward, sometimes for punishment, like Nebuchadnezzar. Always, always for eternal purpose, for our eternal best. And so we now have two parts to what is a three-part equation. Uh, First, believers must submit to their governing authorities. That's number one. Number two, governments must submit to God's authority. So really what we need to be asking here is what's a believer to do if their governing authorities fail to submit to God? Well, Jesus calls us uh, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, and shining a light at times requires shaking things up. It just does. For rulers, Paul says, and what he means here is for the most part, this is how it's supposed to work, for the most part, rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority, which is ultimately God? Then do what is right. He will commend you. For, believe it or not, he is God's servant. Whether he knows it or not, he is God's servant to do you good. Uh, But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant. He is God's servant to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Unless, of course, he, the authority, turns against God and against what's right and refuses to submit to the governing authority who's established him. Paul says, therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Here's where the conscience has to come into the equation. The conscience is kind of the third part of the equation. You ever driven past one of these, a speed monitoring trailer? You ever driven? <laughs> oh, man. There are only four basic uh, mechanisms at work in one of these. The law, electricity, radar, and your conscience, right? It's like the conscience police. They don't make arrests. They don't issue tickets. They don't take photographs. They don't even document what you're doing. They just flash your sin in your face. Right? Lawbreaker. Lawbreaker, lawbreaker. I'm, I'm, I slowed down. I'm barely, I'm going like one or two miles an hour. Lawbreaker, lawbreaker. Sounds like a conscience. Oh my goodness. A healthy conscience. Sounds like a healthy conscience. Because if our conscience isn't calloused, meaning it is well conditioned with God's will, is defined by God's word, it, it'll chastise me and I'll hear it. It'll take me to task for violating my Savior's higher moral code. Because, man, I can justify a lot of things. But when I think of it as following my Savior's higher moral code, then my conscience has a louder voice. But sometimes, because there's no simple answers here, sometimes your conscience will tell you to break the law, to disobey. Right? Right? Sometimes your conscience will say, it's okay to speed. Put the pedal to the metal and go. 
because we're rushing someone to the hospital. So sometimes your conscience will say, it's time to break the law. Because a moral imperative outweighs a moral infraction. Like Jesus healing on the Sabbath. He made this case to the Pharisees. You guys are looking at infractions. I'm looking at imperatives. And so each one of us has to establish by God's will, with his word, and our conscience. Each one of us has to establish a hierarchy of values according to God's will and by his word because our lesser authorities, and I don't know, maybe you're as aware of this as I am, um, they are not perfect. They are not perfect. So we can't just blindly bow and obey, you know, for fear of punishment. We must allow a healthy conscience to bow to God's authority first and foremost in all things because God honors godly people who defy ungodly authorities. The Bible's filled with this. For conscience' sake, Moses' mother disobeyed Pharaoh's command to kill all the male babies and hid him. Rahab the harlot, she defied the king of Jericho and she hid Joshua's spies. And of course, they're both commended in scripture for this. Paul is not teaching us to condemn Schindler for betraying Hitler by helping the Jews or the American heroes who helped American slaves flee the South. In fact, I got a great story coming over from Acts chapter 4 about Peter and John, two of the twelve. Peter and John defied pretty much every authority there was for the sake of conscience and Christ. I've taken two chapters, smashed them together, made them as tight as I can just to to get this point across. Because you want to see a couple people defying authority, let's read. The rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, a high priest, called Peter and John, commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. And that's what each of us has to judge. That's what each of us has to judge for ourselves. Let's read the underline together, please. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we, they go on to say, we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go. And being let go, they raised their voice to God saying, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word in defiance, of course, of the authority. And the place where they were assembled together was shaken, because you've got to shake things up every once in a while. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and the apostles spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, then the high priest rose up and put him in the common prison. But at night, the angel, an angel of the Lord defied the authorities and opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Then the captain went with the officers 
and set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And when they had beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And I love the ending. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease (laughs) teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. See, when God says to submit to our authorities, obviously, we are not to obey if they forbid what he commands or command what he forbids. Because everyone, including the authorities, you and me, will ultimately stand before God's throne and give an account of our actions with our conscience bearing witness. Lawbreaker, lawbreaker, lawbreaker. Shh, for heaven's sakes, quiet down. In fact, and this is really interesting, Paul is defying the authorities that exist in the very paragraph where he writes to submit to authority by boldly declaring regarding Nero, who sees himself as a sun god, that he is no god, and in fact, he is God's servant. I think Paul's just showing us a prime example of that that balance in the very spot where he's saying, you need to submit to your authorities. He's in essence saying, unless they say something, do something crazy, like saying they're God, and then you got to just let them know you're not God. And this, is, this whole thing is so uniquely challenging for us as Americans because we, the people, select our own authorities, make our own laws. And I believe that we, as a nation, have been blessed with the best form of government. But I will say this. God would prefer a dictator who commends goodness and condemns evil over a democratic republic that doesn't, that does the opposite. We pride ourselves on our personal independence, but then that bleeds over, right? It's like speed uh, limits, (laughs) stop signs. I'll take those as suggestions. Seatbelts, ah, give me liberty or give me death. And we're ready to fight. We're Americans. We're ready to fight all the time for what we want. But when Jesus was being arrested, and remember, we're Christians before we're Americans. When Jesus was being arrested, he also said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. Peter, put that ear back where you found it. (laughs) Because he chopped it off. He fought. Uh, So you see, laws, at the end of the day, laws are for the symptoms, while salvation is for the actual problem. We've got to remember that, because sometimes we forget, especially in the political arena. Laws can modify behavior. That's about it. They can't transform a heart. You know, only the Lord can do that. IRS uh, received an anonymous letter that said, I haven't been able to sleep for two years because I cheated 
on my taxes, and so I'm enclosing $500. If after this I still can't sleep, I'll, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> but <laughs> that's us, right? Okay, God, I'll obey you this much and see if I'm blessed. <laughs> speaking of taxes, Paul now gets very specific speaking of taxes, saying this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants. Again, whether they know it or not, I'm going to give you an example of that in just a moment. They're God's servants. Pay your taxes. They're God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe. Taxes, uh, if taxes pay, pay taxes. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Uh, if revenue, which just means fees, government fees, oh, then revenue. This is about 20 years after Jesus coined the famous phrase, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God, the things that are God's. It's like, oh, Jesus said we've got to pay our taxes. See, we don't render out of a fear of an audit, but fearful reverence of God. Well, what's God got to do with my taxes? Well, I don't know, but he does, because Jesus said pay them. So if you're feeling guilty, just go back, amend your conscience, clear your return. Or no, strike that, reverse it. Uh, amend your return, clear your conscience. I will admit Sadly, sadly, paying taxes as worship, way harder than tithing as worship. You know why? Because tithing only takes 10%. <laughs> uh, oh, but those Roman taxes, those secular Roman taxes that Jesus said, drop it in, they built a network of roads that were absolutely instrumental for spreading the gospel. We know, it just couldn't have been spread the way it was without those secular government Roman roads. Who could have realized their little denarius would literally pave the way for Paul to reach us? We just can't know. We just can't know how God may use bad government for good. We can't. So got to trust. You want the ultimate Bible proof that even the very worst of governing authorities can't help but glorify God in the end, whether they want to or not. Acts, again, chapter four, when, they, when uh, uh, Peter and Paul released, they um, went back and they, this was in their praise to God. It's a quote from Psalms. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. That's Old Testament. And then they say, uh, for truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, King Herod Antipas, and Pontius Pilate, Roman governor Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, no one's getting out of this, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do, you know, like the worst thing ever, to do, well, whatever your hand, God, your power, that's what hand means, your power, and your purpose determined before to be done. That's what they did. Oh, King Herod and Pilate and all the people that said, crucify. God's the ultimate chess player. He didn't like program them like robots to do it. He just knows us. And so we can't help but accomplish as well, even those who are going against them. Try as they might, ungodly governments can't not ultimately serve God's purpose. So, you know, 
so we can take a breath and we can, we can feel that, we can trust that. God's in charge, always in charge. Paul doesn't end with government taxes and revenue fees. He goes on, and we'll close here, to say, if you owe respect, and you owe respect if God says to respect, because we owe God. If you owe respect, then pay respect. If honor, then honor. Let no, that, because see, it hurts your witness. Ultimately, it hurts our witness. And that's what God cares about. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Let's fulfill the law. Seems old uh, earlopper <laughs> himself learned his lesson as well because he ended up writing this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority because it's, it's about winning the world of Christ, right? Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, just, you know, anything wicked. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, Peter says. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So we'll close with this question. How do you, just you, nobody else, I'm talking to myself, how do you act out regarding those you didn't vote in? This is America, right? So by all means, shine your light and shake things up. Got to do it. But in all things, do your Savior proud. And for the love of the Lord, show some respect. After all, I mean, it's, that's his government mandate to us. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, worship you, and affirm in our heart that, that you are the first and final authority for defining right from wrong. Holy Spirit, Strengthen our conscience and our convictions and convict us this week of any laws that maybe we casually violate that you'd prefer we don't. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your shining example of shaking things up. And everybody said... Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.